Hi, Cookie. Hi, Cookie. <laughs> <laughs> nice of the grandkids to let them in. <laughs> Like father, like son, just two regular guys that love to distro hop. Not too technical or even bleeding edge, but functional and necessary for getting things done in Linux and open source. Join us as we learn together on the Father and Son Podcast. So, all right, this is the Father and Son Podcast. I'm the father, if you can tell by how old I look. Obviously, he's I'm the son. son. <laughs> he's the son. So, yep. uh, we're both named James, so we didn't want to go that way. Uh, we may think of some other nicknames. Um, I might call him Jamie, just because he was Jamie for so long, but he is James. So, anyway, we may not include that in this. Who knows? <laughs> I'll be definitely calling him Dad. Yeah. So, why... Why do we want to do a podcast? What do you think we were doing this for? Just wanted to kind of share our knowledge, you know, have a fun time together. You know, we distro hop just because anyway. Might as well kind of share a little um, something that we learned with other people. Um, we also enjoy Linux and sharing it with others. So Yeah, I know there's a, in the middle of last year, I seemed to put one Linux after another Linux after another Linux after another Linux. I had this little USB uh, device that connected to my SDD cards, and I plug it in and do another distro and work through it, and then plug <laughs> in another one. And that kind of started uh, a while back. I mean, I don't know. I consider myself a rookie still, you know, or new, but it. Uh, I remember, you know, you had your live, yeah, your, your live USB devices, right, and. Uh, you know, I didn't like that because anything you did, you really didn't really get to keep. Yeah, it was so, persistent. Yeah, same more persistent. And I was like, well, you know, you can, you think you can take the USB and make it your persistent. I mean, yes, it'll be slower than, than an, you know, something like a solid-state drive or definitely slower than an M.2 NVMe stuff. But anyway, so <laughs> after a while, you know, you tried this one and you go out there to uh, DistroWatch. And you, you grab another one, you grab another one, you start loading those up. I was on vacation, and I kept buying USB drives. And, you know, at, after about a year or so, I had, oh, probably about 40 USB thumb drives, you know. <laughs> probably. He still does. Yeah. So, in the same way, in that same spirit, we kind of had to do this, um, except I was doing it with, you know, uh, um, basically your, you know, your regular uh, 2.5 inch you know, solid state drives Yeah, and, you know, just plug them in and, uh, go. And, and I even got a device in my, uh, computer now where I can switch between four different ones and they come out the front. So if you ever decide, you know, the ones I decided to keep, I would connect to the inside, the internals. Right. Yeah. But then if you change your mind, you have to open up your case again and put it back in. And, and you know, I'm, I don't mind opening up my case. I mean, uh, maybe we should go there a little bit too, is, you know, we're, we don't have top of the line, bleeding edge anything, you know? <laughs> no, no, we've never had top of the line, bleeding edge anything. Maybe the closest that we ever came was a 
um, graphics card or two. And even then, I think that they were at least already a year old. So that was probably the closest we ever been to yeah. bleeding edge. And, and that, that was probably a while back. You oh, know? yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, I, I bought a, a used one recently uh, just to uh, ha- have a upgrade, if you will. And I got it off of uh, eBay. Bought it used. Yep. You know, I try not to spend too much money if I do spend money. This is probably 70 bucks. And brought it in. It's probably uh, six, seven years old already. But it's working for the function we're trying to do. And that's kind of one of the beauties of Linux as well. Yes. Is it does have this ability to uh, go to, uh, you know, a less sophisticated <laughs> laptop or, uh, you know, desktop. And, and you know, when, when Apple... Nothing wrong with Apple, Microsoft, not necessarily anything wrong with Microsoft. I mean, yes, we can get into all the proprietary and all that junk. But what I'm saying, the actual hardware and things like that, they will drop off their support of it. Absolutely. They drop it off much quicker than Linux or any other operating system usually does. um, Just to kind of help bring out, I guess, the competition, you know, make sure that they, um, their contributors can also make money by getting everybody to buy a new hard drive or a new um, graphics card. Yeah. So or we could look at it two line. ways. We could look at it, you know, that way they don't have to support it, which costs money. Right. But they always want to be bringing in the newest stuff, like you said, to stay in competition. But also, you know, if it's something else you can purchase, you know, new. Uh, we see that in your toy industry, if you will. You know, they're going to bring out a different color or a different size, a different whatever, different action figure, because it makes money. You know, Absolutely. well, I don't want this older you know, thing. I want the newer. And, but, but sometimes you're in a financial situation where you can't, Yeah. you know, and that's what's cool about Linux is, you know, it will allow you to continue using whatever hardware you have, honestly, without skipping a beat for the most part. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you don't even have to install a driver. No, um, no, not anymore. There was the day that you did. <laughs> I, I remember using Ubuntu 9.10 oh, way back when, and that you had to have a little more knowledge than you do nowadays. Um, you had to be able to pull it from one area, put it in the right folder, set the right permissions in order yeah. for it to work just the way you needed it to work. Nowadays, you can go to their software center, and it does a lot of that already for you, which is awesome. My, my two favorite hardwares, sarcastically, <laughs> and kind of in some distros today still, is the Wi-Fi card. Oh, Jeez. And the printer. I mean, yes. and, and you know, of course, Jamie will probably sit here and say, well, why do you even use a printer? You know, print. You don't need print anymore. You, don't you have a tablet that you use? Why don't you just put it on the tablet, you know? And yeah, that's all great stuff, but, you know, we still. Oh, have, I still uh, need to print here and there. I just. Ink is too expensive yeah. for me. So so the way Jamie uh, prints is he'll, he'll send me an email. <laughs> Dad, can you print this for me? <laughs> sure, since I keep these printers going. <laughs> anyway, that's how we are. But needless to say, it, um, it allows me to put things together. And what's kind of funny is, uh, and Jamie was nosing this earlier, it's like, wow, you got this one, and you got this different brand, you got this different brand. And some of them are cheaper brands. Right. I'm not too scared on that necessarily because if I'm using it just to do the distro uh, looking at or you know playing around playing around or whatever but you notice the <laughs> as i start liking that distro it goes up to the bigger ssd drive and probably more like a you know a wd 
<laughs> something that I can't pronounce, <laughs> you know, is not going to be the one I'm going to use if I want to keep it. Now, it just so happens the Linux that we're trying today is Void uh, OS, and I am using Void right now. We're recording right here with OBS on, on Void off yes. of this computer, and that actually happens to be on a, on a cheaper drive, but it's a one terabyte drive. And yeah, there's a possibility that's going to tear up, and I'll probably move it to another one later on just so I can keep it if I like it. But that, that's the whole idea is we're trying to say, look, you don't have to have the top of the line. You don't have to spend the most money. Yes, it's nice to have some of these great fast things, but doesn't mean that if you have anything right now just to quit using it, if that's all you have. Right. You know, and Linux allows you to do that. Uh, I mean, there's even 32-bit stuff still being used out there. There is, actually. There's quite a few that are still running on 32-bit. Um, some of them have dropped 32-bit support, but there's still uh, plenty of OSs out there. And even if you have, I want to say, a computer that has Windows 98, you might be able to still find a Linux out there that can Possibly. run it. <laughs> now, that's going to be a lot of work. I'll just put that out there right now. It, it is, if, if you can get a newer one than that, Please do. But what I'm saying is you don't have to go out there and buy the latest MacBook Pro for $2,000 or your your uh, Dell, you know, whatever for, you know, $1,000, $1,200, whatever. It doesn't matter on that. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to put down either one of those. Like I said, there's no, some no. quality stuff and what they're trying to do, they do well. It's more to do with the fact that, you know, we just can't go out and buy one every month around. So most of our stuff is hand-me-down. Can we make this work? I mean, Frankenstein you know, yeah. machines. <laughs> I know your desktop at home has DDR3. Mine happens to be DDR4. Yeah, that's right. I got one on you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the newer stuff has the DDR5 coming out, you know, so that's uh, it, it's just the way things work. You know, we may be using, uh, I guess you have like a, a Series 3 one that we're using or, or a Series 9 or, you know, it, it's just. Um, yeah, we're talking about CPU there. Right. So your CPU comes up in different series as you go along and difference between your Ryzen and Intel's. But um, I think Linux brings out the best of these things, you know, because I think there's people out there that are still using this stuff and they're contributing to the Linux operating system, the Linux forums, and the Linux um, community, as they call it. You know? Yeah, which is one of the things that I like the most about Linux is the simply the community behind it. Yeah. Um, whenever you're running into an issue, somebody else out there has either already ran into that issue, solved it, and is sharing it with you, or is willing to help you find where the problem correct, is correct. and help you correct it as best you can. <laughs> and most of them are nice enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, 100%. I'm not saying you, you – not all of them, okay? So, there are. We'll get back into this talking about, you know, why Linux and, and you know, being you're, – you're not bored or anything like that because you keep changing. You can change the next one. And, and each, each operating system seems to have its special, unique tweak. Yeah. Unique tweak to it. Yeah. Voids happens to be it's run it. Yeah. You know, instead of using in it. Yeah. Right? I know this is getting kind of and, technical. And we'll get into it and we'll talk about it a little bit. We try not to be too technical, but we'll try to explain what that is here in a minute. Um, which I probably Jamie will have to explain it because I don't know about that. I'm but. not the technical. <laughs> anyway, you know, there's some things that in a, are in a black box, and, you know, I'm a scientist too. <laughs> I've done several different jobs over my life, but as a scientist, we don't like black boxes. <laughs> we like to dig in, see what's there and stuff. But uh, anyway, what's your daily driver? Right now, my daily driver happens to be Manjaro. Manjaro, um, okay. Manjaro OS. Um, and that's, that's a fork off the 
Um, Arch Linux, right? Correct. This fork off of Arch Linux. It's made to be a little bit easier, just a little bit simpler. Um, not as necessary to compile by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, certain projects, which is awesome. And the community is quite fantastic out there, too. So Yeah. And you do a lot more of the community stuff than I get a chance to. You know, I'll, I'll go out there and, uh, you know, go research from uh, web page to web page. And, you know, just an arch story for you. Um, you know, we used to have these magazines, and we still do. You know, Linux format, Linux magazine, Linux, you know. Yeah. I mean, they got Raspberry Pi stuff and all that stuff. PC magazine. Yeah. Anyway, so you grab it and stuff like that. And they would have, like, a couple of distros in there, right? You know, on a, oh, on, I remember on a DVD. Those. Yeah. So you grab that, and I was like, hey, this one has Arch. And so, man, I got it together, and, and I'm following line by line what to put in the terminal. And the terminal is where you're entering in your, your code, if you will. Yeah. And that's another beautiful thing about Linux. I mean, both. If you remember uh, DOS, this is exactly what it, it is. It looks like DOS. It kind of feels a little bit like DOS. But, and you're probably not old enough for DOS, but <laughs> some of us are. Anyway. Neither here nor there. So you start working through that. Um, and, and keep in mind that actually both your Macs and your Windows do have this ability as well. Yes. You know. And uh, so I did everything. Got it all up. You know, ran it through them line to line. Not knowing exactly what that meant to do. But I did it anyway, right? And it came up. Supposedly it was supposed to be Arch. And I'm looking at a prompt. Thinking that I didn't do it the right way. <laughs> Went back, loaded up another distro, went on to something else. Well, I did do it the right way. It's just yeah. Arch comes up to this blank prompt, and now you start doing things like loading up your desktop yes. and everything else. So, um, yes, each one of these Linuxes have different uh, levels of learning and different levels of abilities and different levels of whatever and, and different functions sometimes. Absolutely, yes. So that's that's my Arch story for you, but... Mine, uh, daily driver right now, for the most part, is going to be Debian. And the reason why I'm on Debian is, one, it's not your grandfather's <laughs> software. Because <laughs> Debian, back in the day, used to be pretty hard to do. Oh, yeah. But it's still the mo- one of the robust ones it, out there. It has a lot. So, now, Debian, the reason I went with that is, uh, you know, everybody goes with Arch and some of these other stuff. Don't get me wrong. I like Arch. I have a couple of them with Arch on it right now, too, which is a learning experience for me. But it's more to do with the fact I don't have the leading breaking edge hardware to worry about getting a driver for. I don't have any of that stuff. So why why put yourself through all those um, possible problems of keeping that up as you update when you already have older materials, older, older hardware to work with, and then you can just grab a, an already proven. And, and, of course, Debian's famous for this. I mean, I'm on Debian... 12 <laughs> you know you might get through 12 upgrades <laughs> in, in a year's time with arch i don't know you know some of these other oh, ones you you can get through two upgrades the in, in, yeah <laughs> end of the week end of the day occasionally because they're they're doing some of the daily um yeah what they call nightly builds or something like that which is in and of itself great they call it bleeding edge and that's exactly what it is yeah. you're getting the top of the line ready to go just fresh off the press with all its bugs, if any. <laughs> yeah. And then we, you know, we, it's not to say that Linux uh, Arch doesn't have its place too, because, you know, not only about the leading edge and hardware in that community, but even through that community, you can go out there and figure out how to do something with 
and go back to the Linux you're using. Correct. Yeah. So to get the key on how to fix this, it's out there because they're on that community is just so big, and uh, you know that blog goes so detailed and thorough and, and just oh, so. But also that they 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 start from the scratch, so they've got a little bit more on the um, the how tos, a little more on the knowing what commands are going to be necessary in order to see what you need to see to you know proceed on yeah so anyway so we'll talk about this more each time we get into some other podcasts you know leave us some material for our second and third and then we'll probably be dry and not know what to do after that so anyway <laughs> but we wanted to grab a linux we, we thought hey this would be a great thing let's do a distro let's review it for people try try to do it for the normal guy just a regular guy not too much detail not too much uh um technology not too much technical stuff but you know it's hard not to do at least some of that in some cases so uh we picked void we never heard of void i never used void oh, uh, this is I, the I, first I pulled that time up I've and, had it. and it has a target there it's like oh that's kind of cool a target thing and stuff like that and uh yeah so it's it's all new cold turkey on it so let's talk a little bit about the history of it and then we'll get into our review of it so Void Linux is a free and open source operating system like uh, all these other Linuxes are, um, maybe with the exception of what, Rail or <laughs> Red Hat, Rail something like Red that. Red Hat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those um, are your enterprise ones, though, usually. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was first released in, as far as we can tell, 2008, uh, Juan Romero Pardines, and I think his nickname was The Extreme. <laughs> it's not spelt like extreme, but it's still extreme, and... Uh, he seemed to have uh, the, the the brain behind this to start with. I mean, yeah. obviously he had the brain because he was probably the only one to start with on this going through it. And uh, it's just a general purpose operating system. And uh, just like Linux or uh, Debian or Arch, uh, these other ones, it's it's not... It's not built on Debian. It's not built on Arch. You know, right. So it's 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 itself. So not a fork. Which is. One of the cool things about Void to begin with, too, is that it's this own thing. Right. You know, it's not a fork off of any other operating system out there. Usually when you're getting into, say, Linux Mint or something like that is based off Ubuntu or based off Debian or based off Arch. And a lot of them are based off of Debian. Yeah. And a lot of them are based off of Arch. And those kind of be, seem to be the two major ones back there. But this is not based off anything. Pardeen's, uh, he, he had a, I want to say he was part of a BSD development beforehand. And he uh, had this uh, XBPS package manager system he wanted to test out. Now, XBPS is what they still use, and it's Extreme Binary Package System, XBPS. So just like your APT or apt in Debian or in Arch, it's uh, Pac-Man, something like that. Pac-Mac, yep. It's Pac-Mac, something like that. So he wanted to test that out, so he built an operating system around his Pac-Man <laughs> So it's like, that sounds almost backwards. What you, I think you went to put together the operating system and then drop the package manager in there. But anyway, uh, that's what he wanted to do. So he uh, put that together and started building this. Uh, one of the key features that uh, Void Linux is, is it uh, uses Runit, which you mentioned earlier, as its uh, init system. Runit is simply um, simple and efficient and it replaces the traditional one that we have out there, which is what, like SystemMD? Yeah, systemnd, nets. Uh, yeah, systemnd, something like that. That other Linux distributions has. So that's one of the unique things. I, I think it did have systemnd way back when, but now it's on run. Right. And uh, 
So that's a little bit different. So that's what your run-in is. Or initialization or yeah. starting. It's starting up. It starts from the beginning. It goes all the way to when you shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. So very important part of uh, operating systems anyway is the, the run-its or the nits. And uh, his is uh, run-it that he started using. So it's kind of cool. Another notable feature about Void Linux is it uses uh, muscle. As well, I guess you have a, couple, a dual choice there. You don't necessarily have to use the mostly right. uh, LIBC, but um, it's a lightweight alternative to the more commonly used uh, GNU. <laughs> Did I say that right? Uh, they usually say new. New. You yeah, want to call it GNU? Snap, so you can call it GNOME, but you can't call it... <laughs> which <laughs> I always call gnome. it just GNOME. <laughs> it's just GNOME. I don't know. Who in the world calls it GNOME? Anyway, if you see a G in front of these things, it's usually silent, but it's not always silent. So no. if someone says GNU, they're or, still talking about uh, new. <laughs> they're talking about GNOME, they're still talking about GNOME, which, anyway, that's for anyone else. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> this community can be fun. Yeah. Uh, Void Linux uh, reduces the memory footprint that's being used to improve the overall performance. Um, it also has its, uh, you know, its a. Uh, Void package repository, VPR, uh, contains a wide range of software packages. Um, anyway, and next VPS is, of course, this package manager we said earlier. Over the years, Void Linux gained dedicated and passionate users uh, and focused on simplicity, minimalism, performance, and that's how its people became attracted. I know one of the times they, they started inviting people to be a part of it later on. Right. Uh, and I know that... Um, Pardeen stepped out of it after a while, you know, after several years. But, man, the incredible stuff that he was putting out there, I was just like, by himself for the most part. I mean, I'm sure he had people around her, but he was kind of more uh, the lead. Right. But, I, I mean, if you read through their history, which you can on Void Linux uh, website, that they uh, eat things like Raspberry Pi and some of these other stuff that they put together, it would almost be like the by the end of the week or the next day or something like that, which is just incredible because even, even when they started putting people on, they didn't have a huge group of people putting together this package, you know, right. this it was just system. Very small group, which is awesome. I think now it's bigger, but it's still not as major as some of the other ones like Fedora or yeah. um, Ubuntu are probably going to have. Yeah. Um, you know, you just, you know, Minute, MX and all these other ones that's out there. But... Um, with that said, it, it, it's still a very uh, useful. It works hard. I mean, it works well. And uh, it's just interesting. The Void Linux community is actively involved in development and maintenance of its operating system, ensuring that it remains up-to-date and responsive to user needs. So that's another thing that comes up is, you know, obviously Debian's more one of the ones, let's get a final working product before we have it out there, tested, Back yeah. and forth, all the hardware and stuff. But unlike that, Arch is on the other end of that, right? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, they, they release the they um, stuff first, first and then allowing you guys to find the bugs and help them build it out too. But it's not always the case. They do have some testing that they do behind the scenes, but is it as extensive as Void or as extensive as Debian? Probably not. So, so Void's going to be, I guess, what we consider a rolling uh, Linux. Right. You know, uh, Arch is one of the ones that consider rolling too, but, but even Arch now has a more permanent one. So you have two different versions of it that you can Correct. load up. And many of the uh, operating systems are doing that now. Uh, you know, we know that like uh, uh, SUSE has their Tumbleweed, which is their rolling one, and then they have their more permanent one and just, you know. Yeah. So it's just uh, most Linuxes are starting to do that. Uh, Fedora 
it's kind of a both, I guess, you know, in, in the one package, it does have, uh, it keeps getting updated quite often, kind of like a rolling release, but right. most people could call it more of a permanent type thing, but, but it definitely has been, <laughs> been, uh, replaced or redone multiple times compared to like, uh, uh, other like Debian and some of the other ones have been done, but void is more of a rolling release type form. They, uh, their website is, uh, voidlinux.org. Uh, they have a wiki out there as well, wiki.voidlinux.org. Uh, their GitHub repository is, believe it or not, github.com forward slash void-linux. And uh, it's all in there. It's really good, good stuff. And um, we'll have it in the, the comments here too. Yeah, absolutely. So from that said, you know, to what we have now, I mean, I, I like some of the things that went on. Uh, we, we, we were sharing notes back and forth, me and Jamie, and, and what we did is <laughs> they had an April Fool's Day thing that they released, you know, <laughs> yeah, on their, on their news. Right. So they started doing news, which was important because really, uh, they didn't really put anything out. So he wasn't, Extreme wasn't really talking about himself or what he was doing much. Right. And when they started putting stuff out there in news, then people started developing interest in it. Once you start doing, developing interest in it, they can help plug in and help uh debug and other stuff going on Correct. and eventually they opened up the doors for several people to come in and be a part of it and yeah it's under different groups now and now it's open for everybody and stuff uh to use and that's a pretty thing about it too but it was funny because one of them they were saying well it's dead we're not going to do it anymore and what they suggested you go out there and uh i think it was like a instead of debian it was a be- Beberin or Beberin, <laughs> Justin Bieber. So Bieberin, <laughs> Linux. <Even> so. Worse. <laughs> so they did that. Um, there's one where they did like a, a advanced calendar type thing. Advanced, you know, each day yeah, before bet, Christmas, yeah. they were they're releasing a new thing, kind of a new uh, tweak, and it was kind of cool, you know, or a, or a new uh, new tip. New tip. Uh, there was one where uh, they released a Christmas. Uh, Carol, if you will, <laughs> except it was written for Linux. So go out there and look at the stuff. It's really great. Some fun stuff, a little humorous stuff going on. But their history is kind of interesting, and, and it's um, it's neat to work with. So anyway, with all that said, what's your review of it, Jamie? I actually really did enjoy it. The the one that I that I have, I don't really have it against it. It's just um, I like convenience over <laughs> functionality occasionally, which is um, the Software Center. I prefer to kind of have a graphic user interface, but so I can. So you're saying it doesn't have a graphics user's interface? Well, I didn't say that. It definitely does. It does not. <laughs> I guess you can load one. Well, no, no, no. But you have a graphics user interface where you can interact with your desktop. You can open up your Word documents and whatnot. But as far as your software being yes. installed, you're going to be doing so this. So the package manager is not yeah. like Discover. Or some of the other stuff that you see out there. <laughs> Correct. Which, um, but it's smooth. It runs very quick. It boots up surprisingly fast. Um, you know, the only other one that I've seen boot up almost near as quickly as that is Chrome. Chrome OS or something related to that. Um, the installer um, was another interesting thing. You know, and actually installing the operating system. I have since pretty much using Linux, they've always been a graphics user interface um, where you're actually seeing things, you're choosing what driver and what have you um, by mouse clicks. This one is all through your terminal. You're going to have to use your um, arrow keys and other things, but 
what they did have is they have a wonderful documentation set that helps you go through that installation process yeah. pretty smoothly. So um, it, it's interesting, you know, that they, it seems like most of the people that I hear talking about or putting together and stuff like that, they'll, they'll, they'll put down the documentation place. And I thought, man, it had a great documentation. It did. I really I mean, did. More details than most of the links I work with. But, but the next words out of their mouth would be the AUR out there on Arch. Arch. It's like, okay, well, Arch has more than anyone else, period. It's so been here longer. It's like, too. okay, this car is fast, but it's not as fast as a Maserati or a Lamborghini. <laughs> it's like, so you go to the top, the one that has the most, and you're comparing it to that. But no, I think if it didn't give you the exact way of doing it, it gave you enough information where you can figure out how to do it. Absolutely. And they're a tactile, visual kind of guy, that that was beautiful. Right. I was like, all right, this makes way more sense. I don't know why I missed this step. Um and in the place that I work, I'm actually I'm a, one of the trainers and um, holding insurance areas. One of the things that we actually um, push into our trainees is reading is a critical skill. Absolutely. 100%. Anything you're doing, reading is critical. Don't skip steps. Don't look over something. Don't skim. Read it start to finish, and you're going to be just fine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a learning process. So, you know, we'll probably both agree on this. This is not your jump out of the box yeah. first time in Linux distro because it's not, I mean, if you're just coming over from windows or, or Mac, yeah, it'd be yeah, a far off. it's going to be lost. And, and, um, but it did remind me a lot, you know, of course I started way back in the day. And like I said, I had a whole hiatus where I just stopped and not do anything Linux wise, but mine was, oh, um, wasn't even open SUSE back then. It was SUSE. <laughs> right. SUSE. And it was like a nine point something at that time. Nine point three, because I yeah. still have your have the your box novel thing. Order. Anyway, so it reminded me of that the installation process. Right. So I wasn't fearful of it at all. I thought, you know, I did have to go to their web page and read through. Yes. I mean, even even when you load the the ISO to start with your live system here, it's like, all right, well, where is the installation icon you know usually you have it right here you yeah, know, installation yeah icon. i remember that so you have to go into terminal and you have to log in as root which yeah. root will be the overall administrator if you will and uh then you type in uh, i think it was void void install or something like yes, that, void something Linux like that. Install. and uh it's right there in the front so that right out of the box it's a little bit different than what you might be used to if you're if you loaded up mint or Ubuntu, right. or some of these other ones that are going to take you and, and, and walk you through it. Yeah, they could, um, some operating systems are going to hold your hand through installation and through um, some of the software installs or first thing setups. Um, Linux Mint is one of those that are famous for doing that for you. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's going to have a, a desktop. It either comes out just plain. Right. <laughs> plain Jane, as you will. Or it came in with, I think it was a XFCE, right? Correct. And now the XFCE is a kind of a minimal type desktop. And I was using that for a while, and that works out good. You know, it's that one that has a little mouse on it, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> cute. If you've ever seen that. And uh, it has, I want to say Plank, is it's, uh, you know, it has a bar at the bottom uh, to launch some of your apps from if you want to. And, and I think it's Plank. Anyway, they, uh, but it's very um, minimum. So it has right. a browser, not multiple browsers. No one uses multiple browsers, right? You, you don't have, we don't. We don't have like. Well, I have ten. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I don't have like uh, Thorium and Mercury and Brave and you know, all these things. Now I guess some of them are 
repeating each other, but I'm using all the um, Firefox and at work, I have to use Chrome or uh, Edge Chromium. (laughs) Um, There are some things you have to use a Chromium or Chromium base because whatever that web development is, they're forcing you to do that. With that said, sometimes at work you have to use a Windows or a Mac or whatever you're using there, and that's okay too. We're not trying to put down anybody necessarily. No, but but Linux allows you to open some stuff up. But it has um, Thunars or Thunar, I guess, is their file uh, system. Uh, file manager, you know. Um, I think it's default web browsers, Firefox, which isn't bad. Um, Window manager, XF. WM4, uh, let's see, plain text editor, um, mousepad, 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 I think is what this one yeah. is. So you, you can kind of get used to the terminal to start with. And that's, like you said earlier, that was the first thing on the box. It was kind of, okay, I got to actually go out to void. Like I said, I never used it before to even find out how I get the package manager <laughs> So, so you realize so that what do you I, have okay. Packer manager. So it's got to be terminal now. Okay, so I'm going to do a terminal. I'm going to load it up and everything like that. But honestly, once I found that and started working on it, I really did not miss my package yeah. manager, my, my graphical package manager, like Discover or something like that. When you when you get to knowing the package names or the, the way the installation goes, pretty much the package manager, the only thing that's um, good about it from there is it provides a little... Um, bit of information on it you know beforehand and community rating occasionally but that's not to say that you can't go out on the website and find the application that you're looking for say library office they have a website out there they've got um all kinds of information on it, their own community forum too and but you know the install is simply you know something like xbc install library office and It'll install pretty much instantly. Well, I mean, not instantly, but still, it's it's easy, you know. And if I go to Arch, I just have to know how to install using their terminal, and I can type in the pretty much the exact same thing for the name of the package, and it will install in there. Almost, yeah. That that is one of the problems with Linux is the packages may have a little bit different naming system just slightly one may have a dash in it one may have an underscore in it one may not one may add this one may have browser on it and that one did not so you got to be careful with that of course you know don't don't think it's not part of their package system just because just go check to see some of them do have ability to pull up right do you have information about this and inside of the terminal it will give you information which might include oh yeah well they're, they're naming this, I don't know, for instance, like maybe Thorium browser or something like that. But it, it just, um, you have to look at that, look it up. Um, I did use a Flatpak. Flatpak is one yeah. of the nicer things, so, too. So what I would do is I'd try to find out whether or not it was inside of uh, Void to start with. If it was in Void, I went ahead and loaded it in Void. Just it's going to run a little bit faster. From, yeah. You, you know, so we did that. But then if I couldn't, then I'd pull up my uh, flat pack or, um, you know, to see what was there. Uh, and um, and it, it loads pretty good, easy on that stuff too. So really, you're not going to be out of any no, app no. that you're used to using if you use Linux before or if you want to go out there and explore some of the other stuff. I will say that Void kind of, um, the way they set it up from the beginning, it sounds like, you know, if they have an app that's doing that function, that's it. 
They don't, you have that one app that does that one function. You don't you don't have to go shop around for anything else. And that's all. They're not going to provide all these other apps. You know, fourteen different browsers, thirty. You know, different right, editors. That's, that's part of the minimalistic idea. Correct. And that's the other thing about it is you notice it's fast. It is. It's still fast. Yeah. Um, the only thing I think is close to that is when I loaded Arch. You know, but at the point that I loaded Void, I didn't have Arch yet. Or I was working on Arch at that time. But but yeah, it is. You know, even inside the games, like uh, Steam, yes, I have Steam on it, and I play games on it too. Uh, it did have more frames per second than, say, my um, some of my other operating systems that I worked with in the past. Right. And it's just because it doesn't have this extra package, you know, or overhead, you <laughs> stuff, know, stuff working in the background, you know. That's another thing. Um, they, they call, whenever you get like a new Windows device, they come usually with pre-installed applications which is great you know sometimes they're fantastic sometimes they're just trials um they call it bloatware and yeah. linux is a little more free of that but if you go um looking into ubuntu or something else like that there's uh, windows yeah <laughs> um there is a definite um amount of bloatware you don't necessarily need the app ports um if you if you're not looking for logs at all, you don't need it to tell you that, hey, this one didn't work. Do you want to relaunch it? Do you want to put a log in it? Not, not necessarily. Um, or you can reduce the level of it so that it doesn't um, get as much detail, which is going to make it a little bit faster. Um, you don't need all 300 packages to come with it. You can pare it down. Um, Void is going on the opposite end of that and kind of... Um, Saying, okay, we just need this one. We got it. We're good. Right. And it's uh, the way they do it, it's kind of interesting, but, you know, that's, that's probably the difference between someone trying to first start off with Linux as a, from Windows or Mac or some of the other stuff compared to one that's been working on it for a while. Because after a while, you start just loading the stuff you need. Yeah. In fact, you usually know the packages that you know that you want to load. And you load up those same ones no matter what operating system you're using. In fact, sometimes you'll go back to your Windows at work or, or wherever or, or, or your Mac and try to load them up. <laughs> or look for them. Man, I have. <laughs> at least look for them, right? Yeah. No, I've gone to um, you know my work device and it's like, and that's Windows. You know, Windows 11 right now, actually. And there are still points where I'm like, Man, I wish I had this um, package. Okay. One in particular. So Windows 11, I have not figured out in for the life of me how to move the taskbar from the bottom to the top. You kind of used it to is, that on some yeah. stuff. Huh? And it's just um, it's something really small, but um, everything else it made it real easy for me to find everything. Windows just now moved it to the center of the bottom, so no. so, so so it's more of an active area when you're working with your mouse and your touchpads and stuff. You know, they finally got that memo. <laughs> and they got their memo for the workspaces, so you know, if you're only if you're that stuck to one I like screen. Workspaces. Yeah. And that's that's another thing here is you know, you, you load up in a uh, uh, what was it? XFCE. These these acronyms or these <laughs> these initials for everything is right. crazy on this particular Linux. But um, I'm used to more like a um, you know Plasma KDE type desktop, right? Absolutely. So I went ahead and loaded it again, just straight to the prompt, and then I went through and loaded up Plasma desktop and 
a KDE plasma. And that did fine, except for one thing. I have, uh, I've used ProtonMail, and to use ProtonMail, they have, um, where they're trying to encrypt stuff. And ProtonBridge. Yeah, they use ProtonBridge. Well, ProtonBridge is going to use some type of key ring or key system. Correct. So KDE has wallet. Plasma, not Plasma, uh, what's their one? Uh, Gnome has their... Uh, Gnome key ring. Gnome key ring, really right? Called. <laughs> so I loaded both those up. Neither one of them worked for this. It would not trigger it the right way. It was working just fine when I was doing it in the XFCE. So eventually... What I did is I went back to my XFCE and then reinstalled <laughs> the, you know, the desktop on that for KDE. And that's what I've been using ever since. It's been fine. You know, I was on, the, on your KDF, uh, KF, sorry, XFCE for uh, several weeks. And then I switched over to the, the KDE Plasma, which, I'm, which we're using today. And I was telling him, you know, over on your Plasma, I used caffeine. So it would keep things from... Closing down. Closing down. And now I have it over here, you know, I don't need it in KDE because you just do it in power management and just click on that little box. But it's working fine. Uh, it does load up. <laughs> Sorry. Both the 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 wallet from KDE and the K the, the, the ring from uh, from your gnome. <laughs> Both. So it's kinda like all right. So funny story about that. You know, I'm going to get just a slightly bit technical here, but I um, promise you we can explain it at a later date that's not as technical as you might think. Um, the other day, I had reinstalled Manjaro um, and was trying to split my partition from one hard drive, like my home folder, from actually the main hard drive to another one. And... What I forgot about is that I had a previous operating system do the exact same thing. And so whenever I moved it over to that, the home folder was still on there from the old one. So when I booted it up next, I had two home folders. No, not two home folders. That, that was okay. I had two different key rings popping up. That doesn't cause problems at all. No. What was really funny about that is it was two different passwords because I had it from the last Operating system and the one from this operating yeah. system. <laughs> For um, those of you who are pretty new to Linux, one of the most um, famous or most um, robust printer driver or printer management systems in Linux is called Cups. It's also, um, you use it through the web browser. You um, access it through an IP address that's usually your local machine's IP address and a certain port and you can set up and adjust um, your printers from there. It's not the easiest, but there are plenty of people out there in the community that have already set up um, plenty of tutorials on how to do so. Um, other places use different ones, like my Manjaro has Manjaro printing. It's probably using cups on the back end. However, it's providing you a graphics utility to be able to configure it on something you're more used to whenever you're looking at Windows or Mac, whenever you're hooking up your printer there. All right, so we were talking a little bit about printers, and to install the printer, and you have to do this for some of the other stuff, depending on what you're doing, but to get a service to work, um, what we have to do is go ahead and use, uh, in Void Linux, it's, um, what is it on that? You, you go to, oh gosh, like System CTL. 
enable, right? Dash right. dash cups or new cups or now cups. And uh, so that's a, uh, but, but usually you have to use instead use like, um, oh, what do we usually use? Like config printer or something like that or sudo system CTL enable dash dash now cups. That's what I did for correct the correct one here. But now if you're in a, if you're using that um, in another system, usually it's like uh, ln dash s for etc for slash cups d and then, you know, over to the VAR service. So, so, so it's just a matter of. And that's just, um, that's a lot of tech speak for linking yeah. a file that's in a file. different area to a new folder where it's going to so pick it up. One of the problems I was having before with the other distros, including Windows, it, the you know, your mom obviously uses Windows here in the house <laughs> and stuff. But uh, we, uh, when, when you go to print, the printer wouldn't wake up. That yeah, that's the printer right. I had, right? So, but when I fixed it on void and put that, you know, which they did have that information in the void notes, Absolutely. And, and use, put in the, the sudo system, CTL, enable, dash, dash, now cups. Uh, I didn't have that problem anymore. So then I went back to my, <laughs> uh, some uh, other things like, you know, maybe the Arch and maybe my uh, Debian and did that with their version of that. And lo and behold, the only place in this house that's having problems with it now is Windows. <laughs> now, granted, it could be just the fact that it's this printer that I'm using. Correct. Because uh, I, I know there's HPs and some of the other stuff that work well with um, Linux right out of the box. But um, so that's one of the things I did learn from Void. What, uh, how would you rate this one? This one? All right, rating on a scale of what? Are we looking at <laughs> well, we, we're usability for We're going to have to develop that if you want to divide it to, um, you know, like uh, maybe a usability. Usability for a new person, I'd probably say it's about five. So, and so the reason I say that is because of the clear documentation. Okay, so let's clarify that a little bit then. Uh, if you were, if we're going to take a new user friendly, and you're going from what one to ten? One to ten. You're going to give it a five. Yeah. Okay, I'll probably give it closer to maybe a three. <laughs> and it's a little bit harder because you know all the terminal stuff you're going to have to do. Then. Right. And if you never done anything like that before, and you're using Windows, you never have probably. Um, some of us that do IT stuff, we may have used you know. Right. Some of those areas run. It can be a little... Some of the other stuff. But. It can be daunting, but the documentation is there. Um, All right. Um, what about stability? Stability. I, I would say that was right up in the 910 area. 9.10, easily. I had no problems with it. Never. It's still running just fine. We're using it right now. I just... Um, it's very stable. Okay. What would be another area that we could look at? Would it be your uh, daily driver? Could you use it as your daily driver? Could Are I? you using it as your daily driver? I use it as my daily driver, yes. Am I using it? No. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I open it up and, and use it quite often, but yeah, my daily driver is still uh, going to be Debian or, or Arch at the moment, but I've I've loaded up into Void just fine. Yeah. No problem whatsoever. And uh, I would not be scared to use it as my daily driver for sure. Yeah. I, I found everything that I need to find on it uh, so far. And uh, it, like I said, they keep it up to date. It's, it's just like a rolling release in the long run, you know, the way they work, they work yep. it. Sometimes you'll look on there and they'll have a, a newer version of an app or whatever compared to even Arch. 
you know, which is incredible, you know, like I said, because I'm, I'm absolutely sure that Void Linux has a lot smaller group working on Void than, than Arch right. has working on their operating system. So, but um, it's not a comparison thing, anything like that. I mean, Arch is tough to um, learn for first party too, and we're still learning on that just to challenge ourselves. But, um, you know, there's, there's, there's operating systems that are easier to install Easier to run yeah. and Linux Mint, for instance. Ubuntu is pretty easy to do nowadays. Yeah. Uh, some of the other ones. Uh, if you're wanting a Windows like feel, you're probably going to look at Linux Mint. It's the yeah. most close. And, and, and if, if you're looking for a Mac, yeah. Um, yeah. you can do, there's an elementary OS. Elementary out there. OS will do kind of stuff, you know, and that's really just because of the desktops that they come in as default. Right. You know, I think it's what, Cinnamon that's going to give you the kind of the Windows look to it. Cinnamon Mate, yeah. Yeah, Mate. We'll give you that type of feel to it. So if you're used to that type of uh, opening up your system and the file system and where all the menus are. and But um, keep in mind, for most Linuxes, you can change it if yeah. you need to. It's customizable. <laughs> yeah. You can. We, we talk about, um, maybe we haven't actually touched base on this, but um, open source. Um, that means you yeah. can go and look literally at the source code. We're talking about what the programmer built into it or what they typed into this program to make it launch or do the things that it does. You, as the user of an open source um, application or operating system, have the right to go and look at that. Whereas in Windows or Mac, it's closed source and we also call it proprietary, meaning that only privileged users get to go and see that, such as somebody who works for uh, Windows or somebody who works for Mac or who works for NVIDIA. Um, XYZ location but yeah I mean because it's open source you can go and customize it to just about anything that you want you can move your taskbar if you wanted your taskbar in the middle of your screen for whatever reason <laughs> you could move it to the middle of your screen and it would stay there um, now most people don't they usually top bottom left right but if you were really wanting to there's nothing saying that you couldn't do that as long as you have the know-how or somebody helps guide you in that direction. Yeah. It, uh, it is, you know, we probably need to always put it out there too, that people start talking about free. It's free. It's free. It's free. Yeah. It, it's free to be able to bring in the code and stuff like that to look at and, and work with. Um, and yes, you can load it up and try it out, usually without any cost. But but someone's working behind the scenes. Yeah. And and I don't even know if uh, the money they raise will pay for how much work they put in. I don't think it would. Uh, I think it depends on sometimes it where. gets it helps them pay for hardware or some other stuff to work on. Um, yeah, it might buy them a cup of coffee every once in a while. But but do consider that. I mean, do consider you know if if you like a product there. Yeah. Yeah, donate to it. Absolutely. I mean, mm -hmm. and they are, as we said, free, but there's somebody or some person out there that is working on this in the back end. Correct. Your time is valuable to you. Their time is valuable to them as well. Um, and because it's in the, uh, what do they call it? The GNU licensing, um, which means that they can't make a profit off of it um, based on that, then they're going to have to make their money off of donations or, um, and sometimes it's just enough to keep the power on, if you will. Or, yeah. Yeah. um, as my dad said, buy them a cup of coffee, which is fantastic. You, there's actually a website called 
buy me a cup of coffee. Almost exactly like that. And it's literally those programmers out there, you know, setting up their little page for it, asking you guys to just buy me a cup of coffee. You know, it's five bucks, it's three bucks, it's six bucks. It's and every little bit counts. It's not going to, you know, we're not expecting, and they're probably not expecting somebody to donate $10,000, you know, just to use their product or anything of that nature. But it's still going to help them out. And when they have that money, it makes it easier for them to roll out um, things quicker, you know, update better, keep it more stable, and other things of that nature too. Right, right. It does help them out a little bit here and there. And, you know, I, I, I know people get burned out in some of these situations and things like that, but this will help somewhat continue the process going. So I, I think it's... It moves us forward, not just Linux, but, you know, just anything. Uh, even talking about cups and stuff like that, you know, as a guy that was trying to set up his printer, and, and, and I want to say that Apple picked him up, you know, to start doing their printer stuff for them and things, you know, but but these guys that start working this, it's just a desire to, to, to make it better. I mean, a drive. But that doesn't mean they shouldn't get paid for it, you know, because, you know, hobbies get expensive. <laughs> but or time gets expensive. Definitely, Definitely time gets expensive, but if you can, you know, donate to them, help them out, you know, go to their Patriot, Patreon places or however they do it, Bitcoin, whatever they do, um, and, and help them out uh, with the system. I mean, I know I use Thunderbird on a lot of stuff for my email. You know, I try to give to Thunderbird, you know, because I know, you know, if I did Outlook or some of these other stuff, it cost me money. But, you know, this is the one I like to use, and I even use it over on some of my work devices. And, and so I like to donate to them. But that's I know that's one of the ones I use. There's several others that we try to help out from time to time. And it's not like I give them a ton of money. I, I wish I could. <laughs> you know, like you wish you had a, a newer computer, too. But it just it is what it is. But but yeah, at least, you know, you know, let them know that, that you like their product, one. Always, you know, let them know that it's working great. And two, you know, see if you can donate to them from time to time. All right. I was trying to see if there's anything else we need to cover here. I think that's just about it. Almost there. Yeah. Um, you wanted to. Yeah. What kind of tip do you have? Oh, okay. Let's see. A tip for just void? A tip for void or in general? Yeah. Well, you, you have yours. So go ahead and tell me yours because I didn't want to take that one. Honestly. Oh. Would be the documentation. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, Void like has I said, a great, yeah, uh, you know, documentation out there on their website. So use that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, go there first because they're the ones who made it. They're going to know how their programs work. It's not to say that the community won't be able to help you, but documentation is there for a reason. So yeah. go and look at it. Mine probably be more like to do with the the flat pack, flat hub stuff. Uh, even if I was going to load up something inside of void linux i kind of went out to their site to make sure i got the right. name there so at least i was looking in the right place you know <laughs> and they might have called it something else but then i did their search feature to to find out what their their version of that package was or their app so yeah it, don't don't give up you could probably still get that app loaded on these things but definitely but, but yeah their website is really helpful and i, I one of the better ones i think as far as them Okay, I like to finish this off with a, a verse. <laughs> um, several jobs, you know, here. <laughs> One of them is uh, I get to uh, be a minister at a church, you know, and that's where I actually do my IT stuff too, or a lot of my IT stuff. But, but the work, verse. 
Hmm? And I work for a faith-based organization too. Yeah. Um, Providence or Covenant Health Systems. As everybody clicks off right now, you know. <laughs> no, we're not going to be, you know, too hard on anything like that. But we're just saying, you know, uh, the verse I want to do here was in Hebrews 13. And it's Hebrews 13, 16. It says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices is pleasing to the Lord. So that's what Linux kind of reminds me of is there's a lot of people that are sharing their knowledge, mm-hmm. sharing their, their abilities, you know, even um, uh, some of these people doing void and stuff like that. Incredible minds, incredible abilities. And then they're out there sharing it with others, you know, allowing others to work with it, um, other people to use it. And that's one of the beauties to think about Linux is, you know, yeah, you can probably have a few jerks out there and stuff like that. But for the most part, people are there helping each other. Um, just like this right now, we're just hoping that this might help someone. It may not. We don't know. We're just trying to. Uh, we're just having a little bit of fun. Yeah, mainly way. it's it's pushing us further to get better, yeah. or else you get kind of caught in a in a plat a plateau and you don't go any farther. We don't want to get caught on a plateau. We want to keep pushing ourselves farther. The the more you push yourself, the more you learn, and uh, we kind of enjoy doing it together and having fun and calling each other. And have you ran into this before? I just want people to know that um, that's what we're here to do, and that's what Linux seems to do, uh, you know, for the most part. And, you know, like I said, there are some that go out there and do some more of the money-making, and if you can make money with it, great. Yeah. Awesome. You know, and um, they, they have the right to be able to do that, you know? <laughs> so, Absolutely. So that's kind of one of those interesting things, and we're not going to be sitting here downing too many things. Yeah, protect your security, obviously. Protect your identity, obviously. But there's other things out there that, you know, let's learn from each other and make this even better product than it was before. Absolutely. (laughs) And looking um, forward to our next little project, we had a few uh, suggestions. And do we want to go in order? (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, let me see what the order was because... (laughs) Well, the first one you suggested was Cache OS. Yeah, I don't know much about that. That's kind of what that, made that's the point, yeah. you know. And I have never touched it either. And, and so, you had, I guess I had Sparky. <laughs> you had both. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you you had some other ones down here, uh, Salix, and uh, I mean Arco. Well, that was me. Acro or Arco. Acro? And yeah, that, that's Arco, kind of an yeah. Arch based one, I believe. It is. So is Archman. Um, but but pick one. Um. I think let's let's go with Cashy and then we can see about right. um, changing it from Arch to something else. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. All right. That's, That's all we have. have. Like father, like son, Linux, Linux review. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get this stuff going pretty good, and maybe there'll be more than just one out there. Maybe. <laughs> hopefully there'll be a two and a three, and uh, we'll let you know when we get a regular schedule going. We're trying to do this about every thirty days. But crying. Maybe maybe we can make a little bit more frequently than that. Or maybe in between we can do other stuff besides the the the, yeah. the Linux because we want to give each operating system at least its right amount of time. I mean, keep it up, keep trying. Don't don't give up when you're coming over from a, a Mac or a Windows the first time. It takes a, it's a learning curve, but it's well worth it. It's well it is. It is definitely. I mean, even if you just want to play around with it, it's it's fun to do. It definitely gets you away from the the big names, you know, Mac and. Um, Windows, and you get a chance to just kind of see how the other parts of the world kind of work, because um, a lot of the Linux is actually out in the third world countries more frequently than here in the States, but that doesn't yeah. mean you can't use them. And just like the sharing verse we are talking about, I think there's some people that 
because they have Linux, they can use stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they wouldn't be able to do it with the Windows or, or Macs, things like yeah. that stuff. So, so Linux is one of the things that they can use, and they can use it, you know, right out of the, <laughs> the box, <laughs> right off the download, right off the, a thumb drive passed from one person to another. Uh, what do they call that? Your tennis shoe uh, drive? <laughs> yeah. like that, you know. They even have, um, there are some operating systems out there called, like, um, one's Endless OS. They have... Um, Programs literally set out to go to third world countries with their operating system and a computer that they've already preset to give them out for um, education purposes for um, people in elementary school all the way up into high school, even colleges out that way. So that's really cool. I mean, yeah. And if there's any operating system or something like that you want us to try, just let us know. Yeah. Uh, we'll try. <laughs> sorry, I'm not going to try high on Montana Linux. Uh, no, no. Sorry about that. Or Bebian or whatever it is, Beaverin. <laughs> but go out and read that stuff. It's kind of hilarious and fun, and I'm glad they have a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's all we have. Goodbye, guys. Uh, take care. Until the next time. Um, have a good time. Take care. Bye-bye.